This is SR1. All right, everybody, here we go. Today is Sunday, April 30th, 2023. My name is Rob Carter. Just got back from a golf outing in St. Simons Island, Georgia. Three lifelong buddies and I, we go up there every April, play a little golf. And as luck would have it, I pulled a muscle in my back on the second day. I am absolutely miserable. Heavily medicated. No sleep. But I'm going to try to put a show together for you. Because there is a lot of things that I want to talk about. But if I move to my right or left, even an inch, you may hear me whimper in pain like a little puppy. Because it is not easy. I, I, can barely, I can barely move at all. This is the craziest thing. My back is so sore, and it's one of those sharp pains in your lower back where if you move even a little bit the wrong way, it hurts like crazy. So I am completely motionless trying to put this show together for you, but there's so much that I want to talk about, I didn't want to mail it in. After I left the show last Sunday, every Sunday from 6 to 8 o'clock, the Rob Carter Show, when I left... The very next morning, information comes out that Tucker Carlson and Fox News have parted ways, along with Dan Bongino. And I love Dan Bongino. I think he's a great guy. Along with CNN, they parted ways with Don Lemon. So some big media news last week. And I want to touch on Tucker Carlson. Not that Dan Bongino is not a big deal, but Tucker Carlson is, uh, he is the center focus on the alternative media airwaves. He is touching on all of the things that the alternative press has been discussing for a long time. He was the one that brought up the assassination of John F. Kennedy and the CIA on prime time on Fox News. I remember when that happened. I'm like, wow, that's kind of interesting. I'm surprised that he would tackle that. Uh, It doesn't make a lot of sense for Fox News because you know they are part of the apparatus. Whether you like it or not, they are. And then he went in and discussed the COVID-19 pandemic, the con, the scam. What I built my entire show around from the very beginning was the COVID-19 con job. And I don't want to get into it. If you think that you needed seven boosters for a mutating cold virus, have at it. Go get number eight. Hope everything works out for you. But if you recognize, as I do, that you never needed any of that nonsense, maybe a small group of people needed it, I don't know. Uh, my gut feeling is nobody needed it. And at the very, uh, at the very best, it was uh, uh, these boosters and these vaccines had no effect, but at the worst, they affected your immune system. Uh, but you didn't need them. Healthy people, young kids, did not need those ridiculous vaccines, but Donald Trump and the press and the Democrats, everybody sold it with enthusiasm. That should have been your first warning that the press and the politicians and the banks and the media, all of it is corrupted. But I got to talk about Tucker Carlson because on my podcast, I made mention that you got to know who these people are. You got to know who they are behind the scenes. You got to know who they're connected to. In order to understand the world you live in, you must understand who is giving you news. Who are these people? So let me start with Tucker Carlson because I want to get into it. Uh, His father is a guy by the name of Dick Carlson who was in the intelligence agencies. U.S. Information Agency was the name of the department that he was the director of. He took that position in 1985, and the reason that's important is because that's the Reagan administration 
But the guy running the show, if you pay attention to what I've been putting out there, is Daddy Bush. George Bush is the guy. CIA, United Nations, then vice president, then president, then his son becomes the president during 9-11, then Jeb Bush runs. It's a dynasty. The Bush dynasty is real. And the only reason they are so powerful is because they married into the Walker family. That's how the whole big scheme and the big, uh, the, the powerful family, that's where they really gained traction was when they married into the Walker family. Anyway, back to Dick Carlson. Tucker Carlson is a part of an intel agency family. Now, if he comes out and gives you all of the real information because he's got some behind-the-scenes skinny, I'm down with it. I would love to hear it. I will become Tucker Carlson's biggest fan if that's the case. But I caution you, because his father, Dick Carlson, was in the intel agencies, hired in the Reagan administration. In 1979, Dick Carlson married Patricia Swanson. Now, if you know the Swanson name, Frozen Foods, very powerful people, very powerful people. Patricia Swanson, who was married to Dick Carlson, is the niece of William Fulbright. Now, if you know that name, if you're old enough to remember the William Fulbright name, he was a senator during the Vietnam War, a very powerful senator who went to Oxford. And if you know my associations with the schools, the Council of Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group, Davos, the World Economic Forum, if you understand how to recognize who's who, these people are in the who's who. Now, having said that, he may come out, Tucker Carlson, and say, you know what, I'm an insider, but I'm going to give you some information. But it doesn't appear that's the way he's setting this thing up. Because he went on a podcast with these two kids. Uh, it's called the Full Send Podcast with the Nelk Boys. That's all I know about him. I've watched a couple podcasts. Apparently, young people love them. Uh, they started their career doing pranks, and now they're getting Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson on their show. Uh, but you never learned any more from Tucker Carlson than you did these two kids. You know, if you look at those interviews, Donald Trump gets to basically read from the script in his head, but he never gets asked any tough questions, and that bothers me. Now, you can say that Tucker Carlson didn't get a chance to ask him tough questions because he was limited by Fox News, and that's possible. But it is time for Tucker Carlson, if he's the real deal, to start giving people the real information about how this system works. Um, it's just one big illusion that the press paints for you, as he said. I mean, this is what Tucker Carlson said. This isn't me. We're just going to see how far he goes with it. On that show with the Nelk Boys, what he said was he was most ashamed of pushing the Iraq war. And I get it. I was one of those people that when, you know, in my 30s, when I was having these discussions with friends about politics, I was one of those guys that said, yeah, go bomb Iraq, of course. And I look back at that and think, what a moron. I just didn't have enough worldly experience to understand what was happening. But G.W. Bush, W. Bush, Dummy Bush, he had no problem with bombing Iraq and then making jokes about it afterwards. And the reason I bring that to your attention before I continue on with Tucker Carlson is because what could be happening, something that the American people need to be aware of and start discussing, is the relationship between what we are doing right now and what happened in Nazi Germany. What happened in Nazi Germany was the propaganda was so intense and so fantastic that the German people really didn't know all of the atrocities that were happening in their name, right in their backyard and around the globe. Well, if you take that same idea, the propaganda here in the United States is keeping us all sitting on our hands while a lot of atrocities are happening in our name, including Iraq, including Vietnam, including Syria. This country goes to bombing everybody all the time, and then when it doesn't work out in their favor, they go, oops, sorry, 
Uh, we thought there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, gave us full, uh, gave us the legal authority to go in and start bombing their people into smithereens, kill close to a million people, displace Iraqis all over the globe. Sorry, oops. And then G.W. Bush makes jokes about it. I've played him on this very show many times. Those things happen because we are satisfied. We have all the games that we need. We're still watching the NFL, the NBA. We still have our Fox News and CNN and the illusions that are created for us, the propaganda, if you will. But there's a lot of things that are happening in your name and my name that shouldn't. It's terrible to think that we are starting wars around this globe on falsehoods. Because Robert F. Kennedy says, and I may have it in one of these clips, he says that the CIA has one goal, and that is to create war for the military-industrial complex. So if our CIA or the global intelligence agencies are creating the environment for war so that our politicians can sell it and then the military-industrial complex can start sending equipment all over the globe, just like we are in Ukraine right now, billions and billions of dollars where the equipment goes to Ukraine. And just think of what happened in Afghanistan. Remember, we left all of the equipment there. Billions and billions and billions of dollars of brand new military equipment funded and produced right here in the United States is sitting over in Afghanistan. And who's going to get it? We don't know. And apparently we don't care because we don't even talk about it. These are things that when you really research them, disturb you. And it should disturb Tucker Carlson, and he should be talking about it at length because once you see behind the curtain, once you see how these people are connected behind the scenes, then it all starts to make sense. So two people that we're going to pay very close attention to, Tucker Carlson from the intel agencies and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Well, he's a Kennedy. He had his father and his uncle assassinated. Uh, You got John F. Kennedy Jr. who was assassinated, and there's a ton of scandal around the Kennedy family. We may get into that if I have time in the back half of the show, but let me just finish up with Tucker Carlson. What I started to notice was a campaign by the other media outlets against Tucker Carlson. And it reminded me of what they did to Donald Trump. If you remember, Donald Trump was the hero. Everybody loved him. He was going on MSNBC with Mika Brzezinski and Joe Scarborough. He was going on CNN and everybody, nobody was taking him really serious, but everybody seemed to like Donald Trump. He was going on all of these media outlets at the very beginning when he was running for president. This was basically in 2015 into the 2016 election and everybody loved him. And then all of a sudden, as they said, his poll numbers were coming up. They all turned against him and he was this terrible guy. He was a rapist. He was a racist, everything they could throw at him. And that created an environment where you had to defend him. When you started to believe that everything they were throwing at him was nonsense, just being uh, human nature, you start to defend this guy because you recognize the people attacking him as your enemy. And I'm starting to recognize the exact same thing, the exact same rollout starting to happen with Tucker Carlson. And let me give you just a couple examples. I played this on my podcast, but I want to really explain it the way I see it. The first one is Jen Psaki with AOC. Now, Jen Psaki was the secretary, or she was the press secretary for Biden, the ginger, if you remember. And nobody really paid much attention to her when she was there. More people now pay attention to this Corinne Jean-Pierre because she's so inept. But Jen Psaki was talented, but she's working on with the Biden administration. Before that, she was with the Obama administration. And now she's working at MSNBC, wouldn't you know? 
And she interviews AOC like it's a real conversation. You know, AOC is a nitwit. She's just going to, whatever her handlers tell her to say, that's what AOC is going to say. You should recognize that about her. So when you see an interview like this, you've got to recognize it's staged, it's orchestrated, just like professional wrestling. They know exactly what they're going to say. They have probably rehearsed this thing a thousand times. They know what's going to go down, and they know it's going to hit Twitter and all of the social media sites and spread. Here's the first one. Let me explain it to you one step at a time. This is Jen Psaki, former press secretary for Joe Biden, on MSNBC as the interviewer with AOC. Check this out because they're talking about Tucker Carlson. Clip number one, ready, go. Federal regulation in terms of what's allowed on air and what isn't. And when you look at what Tucker Carlson and some of these other folks on Fox do, it is very, very clearly incitement of violence. Very clearly incitement of violence. And that is the line that I think we have to uh, be willing to contend with. Now, what's interesting about that clip is, of course, Tucker Carlson is not inciting violence. That's just a total lie. But people that watch that, they don't know. They don't really understand what's going on. They may have heard Tucker Carlson. They may dismiss the information. Doesn't matter. What you have to pay attention to is the orchestration of the information. So there you have AOC with Jen Psaki. Now, Jen Psaki was a a part of the Biden administration. So you got to know there's some political overtones here, right? And then they tell you a lie. Anybody that watches Tucker Carlson knows he's, he's not calling for violence. Of course not. Here is the other clip I want to play, and we'll get to more of it in the uh, second segment. But this is 60 Minutes talking about Ray Epps. Now, Tucker Carlson, if you remember, he did a show where he exposed what happened inside the Capitol on January 6th. Now, I was there. I witnessed it. I wasn't inside the Capitol. I didn't get anywhere near the Capitol. Thank God. I shouldn't say I got nowhere near it. I was watching it from afar, but I didn't get inside the Capitol Um, but I see what goes on subsequent to that. It looked to me like a setup from the very beginning. I diagnosed it as a setup in real time. And then what happened subsequent to that is everybody involved was labeled a terrorist. And anybody that went into the Capitol ended up in solitary confinement. But the one guy that was out there orchestrating everything, the one guy that was on video over and over again saying, we have to go inside the Capitol tomorrow, a guy that was right there on the front lines waving people in with army fatigues and a Make America Great Again hat on was this guy, Ray Epps. So the alternative media said, wait a minute, if all these people are in solitary confinement for entering the Capitol, what happened to Ray Epps? Ray Epps is on video waving people in. He's obviously an instigator of the problems, but nothing happens to him. He kind of just disappears. And anytime somebody brings his name up in Congress, they say, we've already dealt with him. He's fine. He's nothing. He's irrelevant to the story. Ray Epps, who's supposedly a big Donald Trump supporter, a Make America Great Again guy, a MAGA character. Well, he goes on 60 Minutes and starts to take shots at Tucker Carlson. That's how you know for sure that Ray Epps is a part of the machine. That's how you know. You don't have to guess anymore. Once he makes that move, once he comes public on 60 Minutes, you know that he is a part of of the operation that was January 6th. I'm going to get to him in the second segment. Stick around. Ray Epps, 60 Minutes, Tucker Carlson. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. SR1 Sundays. 
SR1 Sundays, The Rob Carter Show. All right, everybody, welcome back. Oh, I used to love this song. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. I don't know why I have this memory. But when this song was out, I was listening to Casey Kasem. I, I, as I remembered, I was in the car with my mother. I think I was like 10, 11, 12 years old at the time. And he was telling a story how Charlie Daniels made a bet with somebody that he could write a number one pop song, and that was the catalyst for The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Great song, iconic song. Off the topic, let me get back into the show. Uh, we ended last segment talking about Tucker Carlson, and we're leading into the clip 60 Minutes with Ray Epps. And the reason I bring it to your attention is because if you believe, as I do, that everything is orchestrated or that the vast majority of things are orchestrated, we have to pay very close attention to Tucker Carlson, family in the intel business, so we know who he is. And now he's the guy on the outs. So everybody's going to be paying attention to Tucker Carlson. When he gets let go from Fox News, everybody goes, oh, my God, see, they don't want him on Fox News because he's going to give us all the real information. What you must understand is everybody's going to follow Tucker Carlson to hear what he has to say. It wouldn't make any sense if they wanted to squash the information that they would get rid of Tucker Carlson because there's so many outlets now where he can take his show, take his brand, tell you information. He becomes bigger now because he was singing the alt-right information, if you will, the uh, conspiracy theory, all of the things that came true and was labeled conspiracy in the past. That's where Tucker Carlson, that's the space that he's beginning to occupy in the media world. So is he really the guy that's coming to give you all of the good information, coming to expose the establishment and the media for what it is? Or, or and I want you to think about this, much like Trump, is he being positioned on the other side for a reason? Because if he's being positioned by the establishment to be the opposition, he's a trusted guy, I would think, right? He's got a primetime show on Fox News. His father was in the intel agencies. He's from a very powerful, connected club member family. So you have to take all those things into consideration before you really uh, get into the pool with Tucker Carlson. So just remember that on the last segment, I played Jen Psaki, Biden administration press secretary, doing an interview with AOC. And AOC says, you know, Tucker Carlson, he is uh, he is starting violent opposition. And we cannot allow that. That's AOC. Now, who would interview AOC for real information? She's an actress. We all know that. She was a bartender. She gets into Congress. Now she's this uh, big personality on the left. Everybody on the right thinks she's a dope. Everybody on the left thinks she's this brilliant person who's going to uh, be in Congress for the next 30 years. That's the way these people are positioned. But when she goes on AOC with Jen Psaki, press secretary, you go, hmm, that's kind of interesting. And then she's going after Tucker Carlson. So now you start to see a media narrative start to take shape that Tucker Carlson is the bad guy. He is misleading people. He's creating violence and on and on. Then... You see Ray Epps, who Tucker Carlson has went after on his show on Fox News, asking, where is Ray Epps? What's the story behind him? And then Ray Epps goes on 60 Minutes? Hmm. Pay attention to this clip, and then I'll add some perspective for you. Ray Epps, 60 Minutes. Go. 
It's been more than two years since the storming of the Capitol, but Ray and his wife Robin told us they relive January 6th every day of their lives. Some people have said, well, just let it go and let it die down. It doesn't. What they don't understand is it doesn't. What exactly was the role of Ray Epps in the chaos of January 6th? The theory, Epps, a former member of the Oath Keepers, was an FBI informant who incited the crowd on January 6th, bubbled up from a right-wing news site called Revolver News, run by a former Trump speechwriter. He's the smoking gun of the entire Fed surrection. And landed on Fox News primetime. According to a new investigation from Revolver, Epps may have led the breach team that first entered the Capitol on January 6th. The convoluted conspiracy theory made its way to Capitol Hill. It's not the Proud Boys who engage in the initial breach. It's Ray Epps at that precise moment. How did Ray Epps know that there were going to be pipe bombs? Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? That question has animated Fox News host Tucker Carlson for nearly two years. Ray Epps? He's on video several times encouraging crimes, riots, breaches of the Capitol. Carlson has focused on Epps more than 20 times on his top-rated show, a half-dozen times so far this year. He's obsessed with me. Now, do you see what I mean about the way they go after Tucker Carlson? Now, Tucker Carlson didn't incite any violence. He's asking the question, as any reporter should. This shouldn't even be controversial in any way, shape, or form. You have a guy on video that people are watching uh, as he's telling them to go inside the Capitol the following day. You see him right on the front lines as the Capitol is being breached, wearing army fatigues and a Make America a Great Again hat. Uh, He is the one instigating the crowd, and nothing happens to him. Why is that controversial? Why shouldn't we be asking those questions? And why has it taken Ray Epps a couple years to get out uh, into uh, the media apparatus to tell us his story. It doesn't make any sense. But right as he gives his story, Tucker Carlson is removed or apparently left Fox News. So you put these things together and you go, okay, who is Tucker Carlson? What's this all about? Because I'm starting to think he might be the media version of what I assume is going on with Donald Trump. They tell you everything you want to hear. They gain all of your trust but the system that we're worried about continues day to day to be put into place. Now, do I think the world's coming to an end? I told you before, I don't. I think there's enough information out there. I think uh, that citizen journalism has taken hold, and I think the vast majority of the American people recognize something ain't right. Something's going down, so they're on alert. I don't think they're going to give up their guns very easy. Another mass shooting in Texas just the other day, right? Right? There's mass shootings on a weekly basis now. It's just nonstop. And they're going to use that to try to take our guns. I'm going to play two basketball coaches. I played them on my podcast, Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr, because apparently they think it's just ridiculous that people would have guns of their choosing. Because remember, semi-automatic weapons, one pull of the trigger, one bullet. That's the law in the United States. You can't have a machine gun where you just press and bullets start flying. That's not legal. Right? So citizens only get one pull of the trigger, one bullet. So it could be a handgun, could be an AR-15, could be whatever. It's still the same thing. You got to pull the trigger each and every time a bullet comes out. That is the law in the United States. What are we worried about? Why are people freaking out about AR-15s or any kind of gun? If it's one pull of the trigger, one bullet, it is what it is. I think maybe we clean up our culture before we take our guns away from law-abiding citizens, don't you? 
Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off track. I, there's so many things I want to talk about. I get I get distracted. I apologize. I want to play. I want to stay on Tucker Carlson, at least for this segment. And I want to talk about the statement that he made. So he leaves Fox News or he's fired from Fox News or they mutually agree, whatever. And then he comes out and he puts a two-minute-plus statement on Twitter. I want to play this statement from Tucker Carlson. I want to tell you uh, what I hear in there uh, because he says a lot of very great things. Uh, but there's some things where I'm like, okay, what is? why is he not being completely honest in this two-minute segment? Here is Tucker Carlson. This is the statement that he made on Twitter after his departure from Fox News. Clip number 7-1, ready, go. Good evening, it's Tucker Carlson. One of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how many genuinely nice people there are in this country. Kind and decent people, people who really care That's true. about what's true. And a bunch of hilarious people also, a lot of those. It's got to be the majority of the population, even now. So that's heartening. The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. That's true. Nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And yet at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, That's true. natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus That's on true. what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. That's a depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They give up persuasion. They're resorting to Not war. true. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink, and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon. See, the reason I did the bell for the truth and the buzzer for the falsehoods is because what he's saying is not true. These people have no fear at all. Because they control every lever of power. So to say they're running scared, I hear Alex Jones. You know, like I said, I listen to everybody. So I hear Alex Jones and uh, we're winning the war. We're winning the war. Nobody even knows there is a war. 80% of the American people have no idea what's going on. They just recognize something isn't right. But if you think the people in power, the people controlling the system are afraid, they're not. They're not afraid at all. And you can tell because of the legislation they're putting forth. You can tell by all the testimony before Congress that should be earth-shattering, and then it goes away after a couple days. Nobody even remembers it. Matt Taibbi, uh, who's a uh, very famous journalist, he used to go on Bill Maher's show uh, real-time with Bill Maher all the time, uh, was at um, several publications. 
but he's a known character. Uh, he go, He's a liberal. And he goes before Congress and says that the intelligence agencies were working along with Twitter to silence any opposition to COVID-19 or anything that the establishment wanted to squash. It's not just that you can say something, and we are the freest country in the world, I think, because I'm able to say what I want. I don't feel like I'm threatened. Um, a lot of people think that I, uh, I'm taking a lot of risks, but I don't feel threatened by this system. I think the system is in place. I think the system is completely and totally stable to a degree. It's stable for the people in power. What the peasants, what the people have to worry about is losing their liberty over a long period of time, a war against them that they don't recognize, that strips them of their constitutional rights. That's it. And most people won't even see it. They'll move right on generation to generation. They will never know that a generation before theirs used to go out at age seven and eight years old and walk all over their neighborhood free as a bird. People sitting out on their porch steps, making sure that the kids were taken care of. You could run up to your friend's house and mom would make you, make you some Kool-Aid. There was always parents in the home. Not everybody was working around the clock to pay their mortgage. They're not going to remember being able to roam miles and miles from their home as kids. They're not going to know that freedom. They're not going to remember that they could once go to an airport, go right up to the gate, hand the ticket, get on the plane, enjoy first class or enjoy steaks, enjoy food. It was, a, it was an enjoyable experience. People felt free to roam around this country, do their thing, have a great time. There wasn't the stress that the plane was going to blow up in the air or that we needed to have the TSA stick their arm up our, you know what, just to make sure we're on the up and up. This all changed after 9-11. Everything in our lives is now based around security. Right, you got to wear a helmet for a tricycle. Everybody is afraid of everything, and that is because it has been pushed down our throats decades, decades now. They have tried to scare us to death with every move that we make. And now Donald Trump is getting into that game, and I want to play him here in just a minute as well. Because Donald Trump, in the interview he did with Tucker Carlson and with these milk boys, all he talks about is nuclear war and how the United States military is vulnerable. And all this incredible weaponry, any minute our lives could end. And let's just say for a minute that is true. Why would you want to be preaching that to people? If we have no uh, way of stopping these things from happening, a madman in another country could bring a suitcase bomb. This is the thing that Donald Trump is, seems to be worried about because he continues to tell the story about his uncle that worked at MIT telling him when he was a kid that someday somebody's going to be able to walk along New York City with a suitcase that has a nuclear bomb in it and destroy Manhattan. That's a story he told twice just recently, once to Tucker Carlson and once to the Nelk boys. So again, now you got Donald Trump preaching fear, telling people that they need to be on alert because nuclear bombs and the weaponry in this world is so powerful that at any minute our lives could change. You see what I'm saying? Do you see how they work it? You should be enjoying your life and you should be investigating the people giving you the news. You should be investigating the families and the histories of these politicians that tell you everything you want to hear. You should start to recognize the system that we live within so that you can manage your lives and manage your families better. That's all. This is not a situation where you have to jump off a bridge because everything is apocalyptic. That's not the world we're living in. But we are living in a world that is slowly starting to take freedom away from freedom-loving people. Stick around. Segment three. We'll be right back. 
Carter Show, SR1 Sundays. All right, everybody, welcome back. Once again, my name is Rob Carter, and you're listening to SR1 on News Talk STL. I want to talk about Donald Trump for a minute. He's out on the rally tour. His adoring fans are going crazy. He's saying everything they want to hear. Ah, But I have a different perspective. I think the first thing we have to do is establish my relationship with Donald Trump from the very beginning. I joined his campaign, took my daughter up, joined the campaign. And my job, I said I'm not going to knock on doors, I'm not going to make phone calls, but I will work on social media to sell his point of view. So I'm out there on Facebook and Twitter, and anybody that's attacking Donald Trump, I'm trying to engage them in conversations to find out what they think they know versus what his public statements were. And it caused an unbelievable amount of tension in my life. There are people that if you just say the name Donald Trump, their face turns red. They hate the sound of him. And I think that's what gave him so much street cred on the other side is if you're making your enemy so angry, then you must be the good good guy because you're pressing the right buttons. So I'm on the campaign. I'm following him very closely. And I lost my way with him, as I've said over and over again, when he extended the two-week lockdown. When he extended the two-week lockdown, immediately I knew that Donald Trump was either wittingly or unwittingly a part of a scheme because the Rockefeller Foundation had put out papers, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talks about this all the time, and we're going to talk about him in the back half of the show as well. But he talks about the Rockefeller Foundation. Uh, it was, a, it was a, uh, some paperwork they put out called Lockstep. And through that paperwork, it explains what you can do on the back of a pandemic how you can close borders, how you can consolidate power. As it says in there, the authoritarians can flex their muscles. And that's what happened. The biggest wealth transfer in the history of the world happened around COVID-19, but I didn't see Tucker Carlson asking Donald Trump about that, and I just don't understand why. I mean, that's a real question from a real journalist. Hey, Mr. Trump, uh, you are the one that was behind warp speed Now that people get to really understand what goes on there, it doesn't look like there's much distance between the FDA, the CDC, and the pharmaceutical business. Why would you take a million dollars from Pfizer and then put Scott Gottlieb and Alex Azar on a vaccine safety commission after Robert F. Kennedy Jr. informed you that these vaccines may be dangerous? Why did you do that? What was the reason for that? That's a question. Those are things you need to ask people. Mr. Trump, you told us you were going to win, 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 win. And then through the pandemic, you ushered in mail-in ballots, which forever smeared our election system. If it wasn't smeared before, it certainly is now with millions of people sending in fraudulent ballots. We have no idea how elections are going to go from this day forward. Now you're running in 2024, Mr. Trump. How can you be sure that this election system is going to be any better than it was in 2020? And why would you run within this election system and not demand paper ballots so that people can recognize whether the election was correct, whether it was verifiable. Those are questions Donald Trump should be asked. But apparently it's just he's, he's too big of a superstar to ask him those questions. I want to know those answers, don't you? I think everybody, whether you're on the Trump side or not, want to know those questions because when you just look at back at the way the scheme worked, 
if you're some, one of those people that just sees how everything was positioned and then see how everything turned out. If you remember, Donald Trump was selling the vaccines along with Melania, along with all of the key players in the Republican Party. They were selling the vaccines in the lead up to the election. Get your vaccines, get your vaccines, warp speed, I got them coming. Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer, we got them for you, baby. I did it. Donald Trump, the man, he's the one that got it through the FDA. I'm going to save you. You're going to get your vaccines any day now. I'm pushing it through, right? That was the story. On the left at that same time, the Democrats and the left said, there's no way I'm taking a vaccine that's pushed to market by Donald Trump. No way. I don't trust it. Cuomo was out there saying it. All of the key players within the Democrat Party were out there saying, I'm not taking a vaccine that was ushered in under the administration of Donald Trump. And then when Donald Trump loses the election because of the mail-in ballots, the CARES Act, warp speed, all of it, he loses the election. Then immediately the Democrats who said they can't mandate anything, they can't do this, they can't do that, they wouldn't take the vaccines. Now all of a sudden they are mandating the vaccines And now because Donald Trump was pushing the vaccines and then Joe Biden and his administration were pushing the vaccines, now whether you're a Democrat or Republican, a conservative or a liberal, you're all in for the vaccines and the boosters. Don't you see how it played out? That's not the way it was positioned, but that's the way it played out. And then you wonder if there's coordination. I say that's impossible to have that kind of coordination. How in the world... Can the Democrats say they're not going to take the vaccines? They're not going to do anything with it because it's being administered under the Donald Trump administration. And then as soon as he loses all of the same people, all of the same institutions, all of the same medicines, all of the same everything, they're 100% behind. And then you find out that the entire operation around warp speed was run by the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, as outlined by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., another guy that I hope to God is out there trying to give people real information. It would be so fantastic if that was the case. But that's how everything played out. So as a backdrop to that, and you understand that I was a big Donald Trump fan, I lost faith in him throughout the pandemic. I thought what he did throughout the pandemic by putting Fauci, a known con man, a known industry shill on television every night to sell you the pandemic and to sell you fear along with the scarf lady and Mike Pence, That was the end for me. I'm like, this guy, I I just cannot believe that people are still following him, even though I believe he won the election because that's another thing that people give me trouble about. They said, well, you supported him through the election. I said, no, no, no. I believe that he won the election. If Donald Trump sold you a falsehood but still won the election, we have got to have elections that mean something. The people of the United States have to understand and know for certain that the people they put into office are really elected, that they really did get the most legal votes. How do you have a republic? How do you have a democracy? How do you have this kind of society, this free and open society, if the people that are going to bat for you, your representatives, are being placed there, not by vote, simply by manipulation of the system? That has to change. If it's not going on, if if I'm completely off base and the elections are perfectly fine, there's nothing wrong with these electronic voting systems, then you have to prove that to us. You have to take that doubt out of our mind. you got to get rid of the electronic voting systems. That's it. Paper ballots only. Uh, we had the guy from NASA on, and I said, you know, what's the, you're a problem solver. You're a problem solver. How do we get free, fair, reliable, verifiable elections? And he said, paper ballots, it's the only way. And it seems relatively simple. I don't care if it takes an extra month to figure out who the president is. I want it to be right. 
I want to know that the American people voted 81 million votes for Adolf Magoo Biden, a man that you can watch grope, stick his nose in the hair of young children. You get to watch him give a quid pro quo right on television, a crime right on television. You get to watch his son with Chinese prostitutes smoking crack. You know that his daughter left a diary behind saying that her father was taking inappropriate showers with him. And now we have all of the cases of child pedophilia, these child pedophilia rings with the rich and powerful across all of the major industries in this country. Doesn't it make you wonder who's in charge of the operation and what they're all about? certainly does me. And I don't want to be somebody who is supporting a system that is taking advantage of women and children, selling drugs to our young people. I don't want to be a part of it. I want to recognize what's going on, and I want to be able to make changes within the system because we are the freest country in the world regardless. But that doesn't mean we can't improve our system as we go along here. We don't need to get caught up in the nonsense and the corruption and the way things are heading right now. That has got to stop, in my humble opinion. Here is Donald Trump. I wanted to play this clip. Just listen to him and listen to the crowd. It begins with the crowd chanting, we love Trump. We love Trump. Check this out. Clip number three, Donald Trump. I believe this is in New Hampshire. Ready, go. It's Thank you. Thank you very much. And I love you too. That's why I'm doing this. I had a nice life. I had a nice life. I didn't have to go before grand juries every time I fly over a state. If I fly over a state that happens to be Democrat run, they send me a subpoena to go before a grand jury. These people are sick. They're weaponizing that stuff. But you know, these polls are amazing. So today's very, very uh, important and big Emerson poll came out. So it has Trump at 62%, DeSantis at 16, Mike Pence at seven. Obviously, people are dreaming of energy independence, a strong military like you had and borders and low taxes and a strong, we want strong borders, we want low taxes, we want low interest rates, we want to be respected throughout the world, not laughed at, we're laughed at. We want the truth. That's what we want. The people that were following Donald Trump from the very beginning said we like him because he is telling the truth. He is going after the powerful. He's going after all of the elite families, and we trust Donald Trump to tell us what's going on behind the scenes. Listen, if you haven't figured out that he isn't doing at this, at, he's doing none of that at this point. And I don't want to be condescending to people that love Donald Trump. I, just, I don't want to do that because I was there with you. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Donald Trump is going to be uh, the greatest president that ever lived. He's going to come back. He's going to start telling the truth somewhere along the line here, and everything's going to work out hunky-dory. But it doesn't, you have no evidence of that. You have no evidence that that's where Donald Trump is at. The only thing you have is empty rhetoric that he never, he never, it never came to fruition. Nothing that he said ever came to fruition. Nothing. Was life better when Donald Trump was here? Yeah. You know what else? This always reminds me because I was just telling the story the other day. Life was great with Bill Clinton as well. You know why? Because under the Bill Clinton administration, NAFTA was passed. Right, And then what happened was we sent all of our manufacturing over to China. So all of the people that were working in factories here in the United States, they lost their jobs, and we started getting cheap manufacturing from China. Well, at that time, it was a heyday, right? Because now you're getting product that you can sell for, let's say, $100 that used to cost you $50 to make. So you make it for $50 here in the U.S., you sell it for $100. Well, now that product is still $100. You're making it in China for $20, 
and you're making a lot more profit. So companies were making money, times were good. But what was the end result? It's like when you have a credit card, right? If you have a credit card and you just go out and spend all your money on your credit card, you're taking vacations, you're buying clothes, you got everything you want because you got this big high limit on a credit card. And then all of a sudden you got to pay for the credit card. You're like, I'm in debt now. All of a sudden I got to, I got to pay for all of this. Well, that's what happened when we shipped all of our jobs over to China. And that's what happened just recently with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is when Donald Trump cut corporate taxes, we had a boom. There was money out there. The corporations had money. And for a very short amount of time, everybody was living good. But what really happened when he cut those corporate taxes is they were raising the minimum wage as they were cutting the corporate taxes. So the corporations had the finances. They had the capital to pay these. You know, you could work at McDonald's now, make $18 an hour. So they had the money to afford it. The small businesses, the people that had uh, three or four people operations trying to get a uh, business off the ground, they couldn't afford it. So you cut the taxes and the corporations and the private equity started buying everything up, consolidating power, and there for a short time, everybody's like, oh, this is great. We got it made. And now as you look back on it, you say, okay, well, a lot of small businesses went out of, uh, went out of business. Uh, power was consolidated. Now inflation is through the roof. And here comes Donald Trump again to say it's all Joe Biden's fault. I mean, that's just not reality. The reality is Donald Trump has a big role to play in what we see today. Just because it didn't happen under his watch doesn't mean it wasn't set in motion under his watch. Same thing with COVID-19. You know, the idea that we were going to get this these checks for sitting around, we're going to be at home for a couple months, we're going to take vacation, and the United States government is going to send you money. Think of how appealing that is to people. Think of how appealing it is to, oh, we're going to take a vacation, they're going to send us checks. If you have a small business, they're going to pay for it. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to be able to hang out with my family. I'm going to get a real vacation. But then your business went under. Then the interest rates went up. Energy prices are expensive. Supply chains are broken. And everything that was sold to you as, uh, as, a, as an anecdote to your problem, now you see the end result. It takes a little bit of time. Like I said, it's like the credit card. When you've got the credit card in your hand and you don't have to worry about anything and you can go on vacations and buy your uh, new clothes and shoes and whatever you want, jewelry, everything's great. But then after a while, you start to recognize, hey, i got to pay this off. I'm in debt to pay these things off. That's exactly what's happening here in the United States. And that happened under the watchful eye of Donald Trump. Now, in hour number two, I want to talk about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We're going to get into him again. We did on the last show, and I want to get into it again. And I also want to talk about these elite pedophile rings. There's more information again with child trafficking across our southern border. There's some more testimony before Congress. There's a guy in South Africa that was just busted for child pedophilia, a major player that was trafficking, apparently, to a judge in South Africa. So as I said before, and some of the material that I'm starting to get from listeners who are sending me information is that there is a lot of smoke around powerful people in this world and pedophilia and sex trafficking. Uh, it's crazy when you tie it all together. It seems like it could be impossible. There's no way that could be going on in our world. But not only does it seem like it's happening, happening, it seems like it's being proven day after day. And you'll hear the same thing. People will go before Congress and they'll scream and shout, we got to stop this, we got to stop this. But again, the borders are wide open down south. And you have to ask yourself, why? Hour number two. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. 
SR1 Sundays. All right, everybody, welcome back to hour number two. Once again, my name is Rob Carter. Playing hurt. Bad back and all, I'm still here. When you think of incredible performances, you may think of Michael Jordan when he beat the Utah Jazz with 103, 104 temperature. You may think of Willis Reed limping on to the court, helping the Knicks win an NBA championship. You may even think of Tiger Woods in this most recent Masters where he's playing on one foot in those treacherous conditions. Nothing compares to what I'm putting forth today. I cannot move one inch either direction or I feel like somebody's jabbing a knife into my back and here I am putting a radio show on for people. It really is amazing. So you will remember where you were when you heard the Rob Carter show on April 30th, 2023. This will be one of the greatest performances of all time. Let me get back into this Robert F. Kennedy story because I want to get to him in the second hour. And I want to start with just some background. Now, most people know what I'm about to tell them. But just listen to all of the scandal around the Kennedy family. The first thing you're going to remember is that John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas by Lee Harvey Oswald. What you may not know, unless you're a longtime listener of this very show, is that Lee Harvey Oswald said he was a patsy. He was assassinated by Jack Ruby, a tied to the mafia. But Jack Ruby was the guy who killed... Lee Harvey Oswald. And then the court-appointed psychiatrist, psychologist, I don't know which, was a guy by the name of Jolly West. Jolly West was an MK Ultra uh, mind control experiment doctor out of Los Angeles. That wasn't found out until after he died when this guy named Tom O'Neill got access to all of his paperwork and found notes going back and forth between Jolly West... And Sid Gottlieb. Sid Gottlieb ran the CIA and was the, uh, he was the top guy within the mind control experiments that were going on at the time. So you've got John F. Kennedy assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald says he's a patsy. He gets murdered by Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby's court-appointed psychiatrist, psychologist is Jolly West. And then we find out that Jolly West was involved in the MK Ultra mind control experiments. Then Robert F. Kennedy gets assassinated by Sirhan Sirhan. Everybody knows that. What you may not know is that his son, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., does not believe that Sirhan Sirhan killed his father. Information came to light years afterwards. He looked through it all, and he went out onto the media and said, Listen, Sirhan Sirhan is not the one who killed my father. We now have information that he was shot from this angle and what have you. Witnesses, I don't know. But the bottom line is, is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. does not believe that his father was killed by the man that sits in prison to this day, Sirhan Sirhan. Sirhan Sirhan, if you've uh, watched any of his parole hearings, says he has no recollection of killing Bobby Kennedy and has no idea why he would kill Bobby Kennedy. So keep all of these things in the back of your mind. And then we have John F. Kennedy Jr. Now, if you young kids don't remember John F. Kennedy Jr. because this was in the late 90s, he was a very popular guy, very handsome. All the guys wanted to be John F. Kennedy Jr., very debonair, had kind of a coolness about him, a a humility about him that everybody loved. And the women, of course, adored him because he was incredibly handsome. 
Well, he dies in a plane crash. And if you remember the plane crash at the time, he was the pilot. And when he died, there was all kinds of crazy information coming out on the CNNs of the world and the mainstream media. And the stories were all over the place. Been many documentaries about it, but I remember at the time going, not thinking anything was sinister. I didn't believe anything was sinister at the time, but I'm like, well, what happened? I mean, I'm hearing this on this station. I'm hearing this on that station. None of it makes any sense. What went down? Is this guy gone? What happened? And as you may remember, who took his Senate seat? He was going to be the senator from New York. Had he been alive, he was going to run for Senate or running for Senate in New York City. He was going to be the senator because he was very popular with everyone. He was a shoe-in to be the senator. But when he died in that mysterious plane crash, who became the senator? That's right, Hillary Clinton. So that's three people that you, I'm sure, remember. But you probably remember that Ted Kennedy was involved in some scandal as well. The lion of the Senate, the Democrats loved him, and I always thought of him as a clown. Every time I heard Ted Kennedy speak, he just sounded like a clown to me. He was famous for being the one that drove a car into the uh, Lake Chappaquiddick and killing Mary Jo Kopechny. She died in a submerged car. He gets away, and then he starts doing interviews after the fact, and he's wearing a neck brace. I mean, the whole thing was just ridiculous, like a carnival act. That's Ted Kennedy. Then you have the story of Mary Richardson. Mary Richardson Kennedy was uh, the first wife or a wife of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. She dies in his house at age 52 in the Kennedy compound. I guess I shouldn't say it was his house, but the Kennedy compound looked like a castle. And the media came out and said she had alcohol problems and this and that and the other. I don't think they ever get to the bottom of these things, but that's the way it was reported. Uh, Then you have William Kennedy Smith. I wonder how many people remember that if you're of age. Uh, He was a Kennedy that was accused of taking a young lady home. I believe they were at a bar with Ted Kennedy and somebody else, Patrick Kennedy, I believe. And they end up with, he ends up with this girl. They're walking along the beach and she claims that he violently raped her. That was big news, very salacious on every network. They covered it day in and day out. He was uh, finally acquitted of the charges. Despite the fact that she took a rape kit, um, he, they definitely had sex. She, he goes out and says it was consensual and, and on and on. But she, uh, she accused him of rape. Then you have the story of Martha Moxley. Now, that's a show right now, I believe, is on uh, Netflix. They have the story of Martha Moxley. She was a 15-year-old young girl who apparently was beaten to death with a golf club by Michael Skakel. He's another Kennedy family member. And then Robert F. Kennedy Jr. came out and said he's being railroaded. He didn't do it. Michael Skakel is innocent. He's being uh, falsely accused. And after years in prison, he was finally released, Michael Skakel was. And then the final story is that of Maria Shriver. She is a Northeastern liberal who marries Arnold Schwarzenegger, the famous actor who was then the governor of California, and they had a little thing going on until it was uh, uh, became publicly known that Arnie uh, had an affair with a Mexican housekeeper and had a child with this Mexican housekeeper. Okay, Maria Shriver uh, at the time was a media personality. Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California. Uh, You make of it what you will, but I want this one, I want to play this one clip for you, and I want to explain it to you just a little bit. This is a clip with Dana Bash from CNN with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Check this out. Clip number 6-3. Ready. Born with a father that was a Nazi. Think about that. The air went out of the room. I've heard you talk about your father, but not like that. 
What made you say it that way? Well, first of all, you have to understand when I improvise a speech, I don't think about how I say something or what I say. You used the story of your father to try to reach people who are getting sucked into groups uh, that propagate hate. Mm -hmm. Talk about making that connection. My father was, and so many other millions of men, was sucked into a hate system through lies and deceits. And so we have seen where that leads. As I've seen it firsthand, how broken those men men were, the kind of atrocities that happened, how many millions of people had to die, and then they ended up losers. You know, the Confederacy Mm -hmm. losers. I say, all of this just doesn't work. I mean, let's just go and get along. And love is more powerful than hate. I agree with everything he says right there, but let's take a little closer look at Arnold Schwarzenegger, whose father was a Nazi. He gets into political power in California. He is the one that said you should get your vaccine. To quote him, he said, screw your freedoms. Go get vaccinated because I, Arnie Schwarzenegger, says you should get vaccinated. Now, again, anybody that's reasonable, I'm just saying if you're just a reasonable person, you do not go out and tell people to take a needle in the arm for a mutating cold virus where drugs are being restricted and put your career on the line to go out and tell everybody to take it. It doesn't make any sense. And that's what Arnie Schwarzenegger did. Now, who does he do the interview with? That's Dana Bash from CNN. Well, who's Dana Bash? Dana Bash's husband, I believe his name is Jeremy Bash. I'm going off the top of my head. He's a CIA guy, and then she's at CNN, and she's interviewing Arnold Schwarzenegger to say, hey, look, peace and love. Everything's peace and love. Everybody should just get along, which I agree with. But that's the same guy that replaced Donald Trump on The Apprentice, married to Maria Shriver, has an illegal or an illegitimate child with a uh, Mexican housekeeper, and then went out and put his career on the line to tell everybody to take a needle during the COVID-19 grand pandemic. And he said very clearly, take the vaccine, screw your freedoms. So when you add all those things together, what I'm trying to get at is I see a club of people that are attached behind the scenes. Doesn't matter if it's a Republican like Arnold Schwarzenegger Schwarzenegger from California or a liberal Democrat like Maria Shriver, who I met in our office in New York City, seemed like a perfectly lovely lady. Uh, she was uh, doing an ad for us, um, and I didn't get to talk to her. I, I, I might have said hello. I can't remember. She was in the coffee area, and she was talking to the president of our company, who was a lady from Harvard, and they were having a conversation back and forth. She seemed perfectly lovely, and I'm sure she is. All I'm saying is these people are connected always behind the scenes to the intel agencies. Uh, they are very powerful people. doesn't matter what side of the aisle they are on. doesn't matter what they say. They are connected. And here's one... I, Before I get into the Robert F. Kennedy clips, I played these two on my uh, podcast, and I want to play them on the radio show uh, for this audience as well. Because if you listen to all of the information, everything that I try to give to you, what I'm trying to say is there are CIA operatives everywhere. They are in the intel business. They are in the 
uh, political arena. They're in the television industry. They're in Hollywood. They're in the sports leagues. They're doctors. They're everywhere. It's a club of people. I don't know how you get in. I'd like to be asked, to be honest with you. I'd like to know what's going on. But there is clearly a group of people that holds power in this country, and they are connected through multiple different ways. This guy's name is Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich is probably the most respected coach in the NBA, and he is always making political statements, constantly political statements. Uh, let, me, uh, let me play this clip for you. This is clip number 6-1, FYI, if you want to roll that up and get it ready. Uh, this is um, uh, Greg Popovich talking about guns and what a scam it is that we do not get rid of guns in the U.S. the way he would like it. This is Greg Popovich. He is the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, legendary, great coach. But boy, is he political. Check this out, and then I want to give you some context. Greg Popovich, clip number 6-1, ready, go. Longtime San Antonio Spurs head coach Greg Popovich spent nearly nine minutes ahead of the team's regular season finale and by the on way, Sunday calling out... That is Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC. Her father was the original founder of the Trilateral Commission. These are big-time players in the club, if you know what I'm saying. And she is introducing Greg Popovich. Following yesterday's mass shooting in Louisville, which claimed the lives of five more. You know, it's just it's a myth. It's a joke. It's, it's just a game they play. I mean, that's freedom. Is it freedom for kids to go to school? and try to socialize, and try to learn, and be scared to death that they might die that day. But Ted Cruz will fix him because he's going to double the number of cops in the schools. That's what he wants to do. Well, that'll create a great environment. Is that freedom? Or is it freedom to have a congressman who can make a postcard with all his family holding rifles, including an AR-15 or whatever? He's talking about Congressman Massey. But Popovich is very political, and then you look up his bio, he was, in the, um, he was in the military, and it says at the very end of his bio that he almost got into the Central Intelligence Agency. Kind of interned for him a little bit, was almost a Central Intelligence Agency asset. And I ask you, does that make any sense? Do you know anybody that interned or worked just part-time at the CIA, got into the intelligence community, and just they were just there for a touch? Not really there full-time, just kind of, maybe I like this career. Maybe I should uh, work with uh, secrets that control the universe, but I'm just going to hang in there for just a little bit, then I want to go play basketball and so forth. It makes more sense to me that he's just a CIA asset. I could be completely crazy, and a lot of people will think that I am. But when you see these things over and over again, and you start to recognize when uh, celebrities say something that it's like, okay, well, that sounds like you get, you get a sense of it. I, I can't really explain it, but if you're in, in any industry where you kind of know the lingo and the language and how things are sold, and then you see it happen, you go, oh, it just it, it raises your antenna. Well, that's the way it was with Greg Popovich. And then you look his bio and certain, or surely enough, uh, it says that he was once in or once thought he was going to have a career in the CIA. And then, of course, he's selling... Take your guns away. And you got to remember that audience in the NBA. That's young African-American kids for the most part. That is the audience. And they are the ones most affected, apparently, by gun violence. And they want to take guns away based on all of these school shootings. And i got one more for you after the break. We'll be right back on The Rob Carter Show. SR1 Sundays. Rob Carter Show. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. Segment number five on its way. A lesser person would not even attempt two more segments, but I'm here putting it together for you. I played this song. This is Sugar Sugar by the Archies, and I had to play this song in honor of my buddy Archie. He is the one that hosts the golf tournament in St. Simons Island, Georgia. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite times of the year. April up in St. Simons Island, Georgia is fantastic. I love the high trees, shade over all of the streets that you drive on, little retirement community it feels like to me, resort community. I love it. And on my way home, I got a text from Archie, and it said, Rob, tell me you didn't drink all my small Cokes and eat all my payday candy bars, and I did. I had all the Cokes. I drank, I ate all the uh, candy bars, and I felt bad about it when I was doing it, but he had fallen asleep. My sweet tooth was kicking in, and I had to have some of those payday candy bars, and he was not happy that I had mowed through all of them. And I want to apologize to Archie because I want to be invited back. I absolutely love that trip, and I don't want to be on the outs. So, Archie, I, in your honor, I played Sugar Sugar for you, and I must be invited back because I absolutely love that trip, and I love hanging out with you for those three days. Uh, don't kick me out yet. I'll bring my own payday candy bars on the next trip. Let me get into this conversation that I was having. We did Greg Popovich at the end of last segment, and now I want to talk about Steve Kerr. Now, Steve Kerr, uh, he played with the NBA Bulls. He was on Michael Jordan on all the on some of those great teams that Michael Jordan was a part of. Before that, he was a standout star at the University of Arizona. And the reason I was in tune with Steve Kerr, who's now won a bunch of NBA championships as a coach with the Golden State Warriors, was because one of my former colleagues in the shoe business, his daughter played with Steve Kerr's daughter. They played volleyball with each other, and I would hear the stories of Steve Kerr. They were neighbors. They lived out in the San Diego area of California, and they knew each other, and he would tell me stories about it. And so I started paying attention to Steve Kerr, friend of a friend kind of thing. I was interested in it. And there's some interesting information about Steve Kerr that most people don't know. So the first thing I'm going to do is play this clip for you. This is Steve Kerr. This is after the Uvalde mass school shooting down on the border of Texas. And we've talked about that on the show as well. But Steve Kerr does not think that you should have all of your gun rights. He thinks we should be stripping those away. He thinks we should have red flag laws. Uh, He is very political. And the reason it's interesting to me is because just because you're a basketball coach and have a very powerful microphone, when you start talking about politics and then the corporate news press picks it up and beats it up and plays those clips and then they show up all over Twitter and those clips are all over Twitter, that is how I know that something's going on. You cannot get your message out the way you think you can. If you're somebody in the club, you get your message out, no problem. But if you're not within the club, it's not easy to get information out to the public. But when Steve Kerr talks about gun rights, it was everywhere, if you remember. Here is Steve Kerr, clip number 6-5. This is a basketball coach talking about gun rights. 6-5, ready, go. Since we left shoot-around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here. And And a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had... Elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California. And now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to 
to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children? That's a tough statement when you really break it down. Are you going to put the lives of children behind your quest for power? So this is the rhetoric that sounds to me like the CIA. That's why my antenna went up. I mean, to equate those two things, to say that you should have your gun rights because uh, you want to be able to protect your family, there's there's millions of guns that are out there illegally. If law-abiding citizens give their guns away and the criminals don't, with the way criminality is being prosecuted in this country, do you feel safe? I mean, it's ridiculous. If criminals have guns and law-abiding citizens turn in their guns, how's that going to work out in the long run, do you think? But Steve Kerr, a very bright guy, doesn't seem to even grasp it or understand it or want to have the conversation about it. He wants to make statements that get picked up everywhere. It ends up on Twitter. It ends up on social media. All of the major networks pick it up and give you the sound bites, you know, where he's putting on this big act about how upset he is. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that he wasn't really upset, but I'll tell you what, if you watch that clip, it looks a little bit like an act to me. And I just say, Who are these people really, and what are their alliances? What are they up to? Because not everything is as it seems. It's really not, and you have to pay very close attention to it to have some understanding. Now, I want to move over over to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. One of the things that he said in his opening uh, remarks to be president of the United States when he threw his hat into the ring, he talked about chronic disease. Now, my wife's uncle just died last night or this morning. We just found out this morning. And I have been talking to my friends because in my business, I've been in the shoe business most of my adult life um, in an executive role for probably the last 15, 16 years. And in doing so, I would travel the entire country. So I have alliances and friendships that I've built in almost every state in this country. Not necessarily because I went to that state or anything of this nature, but because we would have these big shoe conventions around the country. And because I had accounts in every state, I would get to meet these people and I would become friends with them and we would talk about business. So I... I stay in contact with a lot of these people. And what I started to recognize in these conversations over the course of the past two or three years is how many people were getting sick, wives getting sick, husbands getting sick, children getting sick. And I'm like, wow, you know, it was all based around COVID, but it really didn't start with COVID, according to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. The, um, the chronic disease epidemic started around 1989. And he makes commentary about that. He wrote the book about Dr. Fauci. Now, he doesn't say it in this clip, but he alludes to it in his books and in a lot of his speeches that vaccine, the the expansion of the vaccine schedule, may be the root cause of all the illness. And if you remember when I played Woody Harrelson, Woody Harrelson, again, uh, I don't want to get into the Woody Harrelson story. Let's just talk about what he did on Saturday Night Live. He came out and said, what if the drug cartels told you to sit at home and you couldn't leave your home until you take the drugs that they make. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And that's really how this begins to work, if you believe it. 
if you're taking vaccines, and I'm not saying that it's the vaccines, I'm saying we should know whether it is the vaccines. But since the vaccine schedule expanded out, I think we take 72 vaccines in total, if I'm not mistaken. Back when I was a kid, there was two or three. Now there's 72. If it is true that all of these vaccines, they may work for any one of these problems that are out there, but do we need them all? And if we're taking them all because it's mandated by the federal government and the vaccine companies have no liability, what if those vaccines are affecting your immune system and causing big portions of the American people to become sick with chronic illnesses that, again, the pharmaceutical industry is able to treat with more and more medicine? Why is that not possible? Now, it could be foods, could be processed foods. Uh, could be chemicals, could be water, could be fluoride, could be all kinds of things that people um, suggest are the problem. But why aren't we digging in and finding out why? Listen to what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. had to say about the chronic disease epidemic, and then we're going to add some perspective to it. Uh, clip number five, one, ready, go. Quickly, I want to just talk about the chronic disease epidemic because to me, arguably, this is the worst attack on the middle class in this country. We have the worst health care system in the United States of America. What do I mean by that? I mean that we spend more on health care by far than any other country, and we have the worst health outcomes. Uh, we have, we spend $4.3 trillion annually on health, $4.3 trillion. And about 84% of that goes to treating chronic disease. Now, why is that? Because America has the highest chronic disease burden in the world. And we didn't, we didn't always. In, in 1940s, 50s, and 60s, we had a really healthy population. We had only 6% of our people, of our citizens or children, had chronic disease. By 1988, that became... 12.8%, so it doubled. Today, by 2006, it was 54%. We have the sickest generation in American history. We have the sickest children on earth in this country. And by chronic disease, what do I mean? I mean obesity, but more importantly, um, neurological diseases, neurodevelopmental, ADD, ADHD, speech delay, language delay, tics, Tourette's syndrome, ASD, and autism. Autism went from one in every 10,000 people in my generation to one in every 34 kids today. Now think about that. One in 34 kids now are diagnosed with autism. In his day, he says one in 10,000. Now, I'm 53 years old. Uh, I like to talk to people. I'm a social person. I do not remember one person in my entire life growing up as a kid that had autism, not one. And now they're everywhere you look. I have friends, their kids have autism. I know lots of young people with autism. What is causing it? And what bothers me is why there's not more of a movement to figure out what is causing it. Why isn't the political system in the media? Why are they not just beating down uh, the door with information to get to the root cause of autism and these autoimmune diseases, right? He mentioned ADD and ADHD. How many of you know kids that were put on Ritalin or some kind of medicine so you could calm them down when they were young? I mean, it was, I guarantee you in a typical classroom, three, four, five, six kids are on some kind of mind alter, altering medicine. Why? 
What is going on with that? Then he goes on to say that uh, in the 80s, 6% of young people had chronic diseases, or 6% of the population had chronic diseases. That number is up to 54%. 54%. That's why it bothers me that Donald Trump pushed those vaccines, those gene therapies, and pushed the boosters, and his loving and adoring fans don't hold him accountable for that. To this day, I do not understand how anybody can justify it. I don't know why he hasn't been pounded and asked about it because it is the single most destructive thing he has ever done uh, as a politician, as a, as the president of the United States. It's it devastated this country, whether you recognize it right now or not. It devastated us from a, uh, all of our kids are mental patients now, right? You see it around you. You see what's going on. Um, you have the consolidation of business. You have fear. You have families that have been, uh, torn apart because of the misinformation that was out there around COVID. It was crazy. And here's what he had to say about Donald Trump and Pfizer. You got to tie these things together and ask some questions of Donald Trump. Here is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talking about Trump and Pfizer. I played this, but I want you to really pay attention and think through this if you're a Donald Trump supporter. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., clip number five, four, ready, go. You know, uh, President uh, Trump brought uh, Scott Gottlieb in. He took a, President Trump took a million dollars from Pfizer and then appointed a guy who essentially was a Pfizer lobbyist. He was a business partner of Pfizer to run the agency. And then he, of course, made $88 billion for Pfizer on one vaccine and then left to join Pfizer's board. That's not joining the swamp. That is the swamp. That- I couldn't agree more, and that's that's my argument, is if Donald Trump is endorsing, hiring, taking money from the swamp, he just endorsed Ronald McDaniel. If you know all of these things, then why don't you demand anybody that interviews Donald Trump, why don't they ask those questions? Those are the questions people want to know. We know the country's falling apart. We know the culture's a mess. We see the uh, inflation. We get to see the cost of food and energy. We recognize it. We don't need Donald Trump to come tell us the world's falling apart. We see it. We live it every day. The question we have for him is what was his role in getting us into this position? Because nobody seems to have the courage to ask him these questions. And for the life of me, I don't understand it because I know there's a lot of good people that are in the independent press that for just a second might get Donald Trump's ear But they don't want to challenge him because he's bigger than life. He's this huge celebrity. He's coming to save the day. He is the only one standing between the establishment and the citizenry. And if we don't protect Donald Trump, he cannot protect us. That's the way this whole thing is organized. And it doesn't make make any sense. And you cannot get people to challenge Donald Trump. I would like to challenge Donald Trump. If this information gets to him... I will be as respectful as possible, but I got some questions for Donald Trump that I think he needs to answer, mainly surrounding COVID-19, the movie, the con job that was put on, and for him to continue to tell people to take boosters when he knows, because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. told him about the chronic disease epidemic, and then he takes money from the establishment pharmaceutical companies, and then does a tour telling people to take vaccines and get their boosters Maybe your antenna should go up. Final segment of the day coming your way. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. The Rob Carter Show. Oh, yeah. All 
All right, everybody. Final segment. Don't forget to join us every Sunday evening from 6 to 8 o'clock on The Rob Carter Show. I do my best to give people information about what's inside the corporate news bubble. And information about what's going on outside of the corporate news bubble. Tie those two things together for you. I try to give you insight as to who's who within the media business so you have some sense of what their motivations may be. Because there's a lot of propagandists out there. Very hard to decipher information. Almost impossible unless you make it your life. There's no way to know what's going on. By design, I would assume. Uh, But most people, they get just enough information, they go to their sources, they like their certain people, they find them celebrities, they they get in bed with them, and everything they say shapes their opinion. I say listen to all of it and make up your own opinion. Don't allow people to give you your opinion, even me. Everybody should be discerning this information, they should be talking about it, because at some point it could get very serious. I don't think the world's coming to an end. So I'm going to enjoy my life, and I... Tell everybody around me, enjoy your life. That doesn't mean you can't be a good citizen and understand what's going on in your country and make the future better for your kids and grandkids. I think that's your obligation. I think enough people have died in the name of freedom that we should, as good Americans, do our job to preserve it. I want to get to one more clip of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, This is a clip where he talks about John Kennedy um, and the CIA and the collaboration between the Central Intelligence Agency and the military-industrial complex. This is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Pay very close attention to what he has to say, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. I'll give you some context. Clip number five, two. Ready. Go. He was fighting his intelligence apparatus, his military, because they wanted to invade. Uh, I mean, they wanted to go do the Bay of Pigs. He was totally against it, and he let them roll over him. And in the middle of the Bay Pigs, he realized they were lying to him. And he realized the function of the intelligence agencies had become to provide the military-industrial complex with a constant pipeline of war. And he came out during the middle of the night during the Bay of Pigs catastrophe, and he said, I want to take the CIA. Alan Dulles had lied to him. Charles Cabell, Richard Bissell, Louis Lemitzer, Curtis LeMay had all lied to him through their teeth. And he said, I want to take the CIA and shatter it into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the winds. And, you know, George Bush, George W. Bush had the same problem. George W. Bush says the worst mistake he made as president was listening to CIA director George Tenet tell him it was a slam dunk that Saddam Hussein had uh, weapons of mass destruction. And so the neocons and CIA got to go into Iraq and throw out and do regime change. And, and we got not, now we've spent $8 trillion. And what do we get for that $8 trillion? Nothing. He brings up G.W. Bush in that particular uh, clip, and it kind of threw me for a loop there because G.W. Bush's father is George Bush, who was in the CIA, In the United Nations, he is the CIA. So how can you say, if you're Robert F. Kennedy Jr., that W. Bush had no insight to how the CIA works? He just said that he learned that the military-industrial complex 
was uh, they had continual war being created for them by the CIA. So the CIA creates war. The military-industrial complex makes a ton of money by carrying out those wars all over the globe. Well, if he found that out, is he telling us that he doesn't believe that W. Bush understood that the CIA was potentially lying to him and then took us to war in Iraq, found no weapons of mass destruction, destroyed an entire society, and displaced millions around the world, and we're supposed to go, oh, you know what? That was George Tenet and the CIA. They got it wrong. I thought Harry Truman was right when he said the buck stops here. If you are the president of the United States, you do not start wars. Isn't that just simple enough? In the name of the American people, you do not start wars. If somebody comes onto our shore and wants to play games, bring it. Because when you come to our shores and start a war, the American people are ready to rock and roll. All they need to do to get the American people up off their butts is light the match. That's what we thought happened on 9-11. And there's probably way more to the story than I want to get into about 9-11. But nonetheless, when I hear Robert F. Kennedy Jr. giving shade to G.W. Bush, again, it makes me just a little bit nervous. Because the intelligence agencies and the military-industrial complex, along with their puppet politicians and the corporate uh, entities that are, like I said, within the World Economic Forum and the United Nations that write the policy, When you tie all those things together, you see the system that we're working in, and it's not constitutional. It's everything they can do to strip our constitutional rights away and tell us it's for our own good. I've been saying it over and over again. Every time you take a step away from freedom for security, you're making a mistake. And you'll have people that are very intelligent, that really do understand the premise of what's going on in this country. And they'll say, well, you know, I don't want to get on a plane unless everything is checked. You mean to tell me we can put a man on Mars, but they can't check my bags a little bit better than what they do now? Because if you remember all of the stories right after 9-11, people were bringing knives through, guns through. Nobody was even catching it. And when you check out the people within TSA, I mean, what do you see there? I don't see the sharpest group of people in the world. I don't see that as a great uh, policing outfit when I go through TSA. I see a bunch of people wearing masks, bumbling through, not the sharpest people, uh, very unfriendly. Uh, they want to uh, they want to grab you, grope you every chance they get. If you irritate them a little bit, they'll run your bag through two or three times. These are people that shouldn't have any power that now have power over the population. I, I, I just don't think that you can give shade to G.W. Bush, and I don't think that we should give up any more of our liberty in the name of security. I just think it's a bad move. Now, let me get into, because the last two or three weeks, I've been talking about these elite pedophile rings. I told you about the Franklin cover-up with Paul Benassi. We talked about Kathy O'Brien and her book, Transformation of America. And I'll say, that book, when I read it, it's, there's some information in there that is very, very difficult to believe. And there's other things within that book that, in retrospect, turn out to be true. So what she was writing about, the book was published in 1995, what she was writing about and the people that she was writing about Uh, she predicted that they would be in power in 1995, guys like Dick Cheney and G.W. Bush. She predicted that they were a part of a system. She called it uh, something, uh, um, something Rose. I forget what the name of it was. I'll look it up here in just a minute. Order of the Rose, that's what she called it. And she said, these are people that are going to get into positions of power. That's the way she kind of describes it. And then sure enough, Dick Cheney, who nobody was paying attention to in 1995, I think he was in the... Uh, Secretary of Defense or something like that in the W. Bush administration. 
But nobody was paying attention to him in 95 when he was with the original Bush. And here he is, becomes a major player, and everybody knows who Dick Cheney is. Now they know Liz Cheney because she is a part of the January 6th committee getting to the bottom of that grand insurrection led by a guy dressed as a Viking. It's all absurd when you really dig down deep into it, but man, they keep this thing rolling. Constant narratives, constant division, constant fighting, constant BS, if you ask me. Now let me get into some of the stories of today about these child pedophile rings. Here is a tweet from a guy who's going to be running against Josh Hawley right here in St. Louis. He's going to be running for senator. He's another Yale guy. I've mentioned him a couple times. His name is Lucas Kuntz or Lucas Kuntz. He looks like a Kuntz to me. I think he's probably a Lucas Kuntz. He puts out on Twitter, people who support preteen marriage shouldn't be in office. Now, I agree with that. He says it's not controversial. He goes on to say, Mike Moon is Josh Hawley's state senator. They've been allies since as early as 2014. So if at Hawley, Missouri cares about protecting Missouri kids, He'll call on his friend at Real Mike Moon to resign. That's Lucas Kuntz. He's coming out against Josh Hawley. Both of these guys are going to uh, are from Yale, so you're going to have Lucas Kuntz, Kuntz, whatever he is, Democrat. Uh, he's going to run against Josh Hawley, Republican. Both from Yale. This guy's name is Colin Rugg. He is a reporter on Twitter, and he says, "Breaking: Marjorie Taylor Greene, MTG." Marjorie Taylor Greene claimed she found an LLC named Owasco that was owned and used by Hunter Biden to pay prostitutes, going as far as calling it a human sex trafficking ring. Or what about the LLC called Owasco that Hunter owned and paid countless prostitutes, even from Russia and Ukraine, and the report states it was a human sex trafficking ring. The report estimates there were 28 customers paying the sex slaves. Colin Rugg goes on to say she better have proof because that is a bold statement. Well, if the Hunter Biden laptop is real, most of us who are in the media business have seen the videos of Hunter Biden with young Asian prostitutes and some American prostitutes that looked very young. I don't know. They could have been 18, but if I was to guess, I'd have said 15 or 16 years old, but I don't know that. But we also have all the video of Adolph Magoo Biden and him groping young girls, him sticking his head or his nose right in the head of young kids and sniffing their hair. Very bizarre, very creepy, if you will. But Donald Trump doesn't seem to call attention to it. I just don't understand why. This is, um, here's a headline from the, I don't even know who this is. I'll find it here in a minute. Washington State passes bill allowing government to take away minors from parents if they refuse to agree to gender transition surgery. So now in Washington state, according to this report, they can take your kid away from you. The state can, if the parents refuse to give their kids gender transition surgery. I mean, can you imagine what's going on in this world? What gives the state that right? I just wonder how this all works out. And then there's the story of the eight year old girl who was found with 67 different DNA samples in her tiny little body. Uh, That leads us to believe that 67 men raped this little girl and nothing to this date has been done. How about this? I read read it on air once before. Vladimir Putin claims that pedophilia is normal in the West. And I'll tell you, when I read into some of these stories and I give you the information, it feels that way to me. It feels like something sinister is going on around pedophilia in this country and the elite, the powerful people in this world. Something is astray. Something doesn't make sense. This woman, her name is Tara Lee Rodas. Uh, People are starting to get hip to this lady. 
She was, I think she's an HHS whistleblower. And she talks about the child trafficking going on on the southern border under the Biden administration. But in the course of conversation, she says 10 years of it. And I'm thinking, well, within the last 10 years, we've had three presidents. Why are we just focusing on the Biden administration just because it's now? But if we have had child trafficking going across the southern border into the United States and we have networks selling kids into physical and sexual slavery, What's going to happen to our country? If you believe in a higher power, Jesus, the Lord, whatever you believe in is a higher power. Do you think if it's benevolent that they're going to put up with a country that turns its head away from child prostitution, from sending young kids, two, three, four, five, six years old, out into the world as sex slaves? Is that going to go down very well? I don't think so. I think this country is doomed if these things are true. Uh, I'm going to play you the opening statement or bits and pieces of it from Tara Lee Rodas. She's testifying before Congress. Clip number 6-1, here's what she had to say. Ready, go. Instead, I discovered that children are being trafficked through a sophisticated network that begins with recruiting in home country, smuggling to the U.S. border, and ends when ORR delivers a child to a sponsor— Some sponsors are criminals and traffickers and members of transnational criminal organizations. Some sponsors view children as commodities and assets to be used for earning income. This is why we are witnessing an explosion of labor trafficking. Now, whether it's intentional or not, it could be argued that the United States government has become the middleman in a large-scale, multi-billion-dollar child trafficking operation that is run by bad actors seeking to profit off of the lives of children. As for me, my interest is the safety of the children. I do not view this as a political issue. I view this as a humanitarian issue. I assure you, my motives are the highest and best. I want the children protected. So I want to tell you some of what I witnessed personally at the Pomona Fairplex. I saw vulnerable indigenous children from Guatemala who speak Mayan dialects and cannot speak Spanish. That means they cannot ask for help in English. They cannot help for, ask for help in Spanish. They become captives of their sponsors. I have sat with case managers as they've cried to tell me the horror of what has happened to children as they make the journey to this country. And she goes on for a bit. Very powerful testimony. Uh, We're going to still dig into this topic because I find it disturbing. I think more people should be talking about it. Look for me. I am supposed to appear on the Mike Ferguson Morning Show on News Talk STL this coming week. I'm not sure of the day just yet. But for people that have never heard the Rob Carter Show, hopefully we'll expand the audience. I appreciate Mike Ferguson giving me a chance to talk on his show. Look for it this coming week on the Mike Ferguson Show early in the morning. Again, my name is Rob Carter. Hope you have a wonderful Sunday and a terrific week. Join us next Sunday, 6 to 8 o'clock. Good night, everybody. The Rob Carter Show. This is SR1.